reading chapter 6. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it. That you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates." And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you, with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of all good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant, and when you eat and are full, then take care, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It is the Lord your God you shall fear. Him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are around you. Are around you. For the Lord your God in your midst is a jealous God lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you, and he destroy you from off the face of the earth. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test, as you tested him at Massa. You shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God, and his testimonies and his statutes, which he has commanded you. And you shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord." that it may go well with you, and that you may go in and take possession of the good land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers by thrusting out all your enemies from before you, as the Lord has promised. When your son asks you in time to come, what is the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules that the Lord our God has commanded you, then you shall say to your son, We were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders, great and grievous, 
against Egypt and against Pharaoh and all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from there that he might bring us in and give us the land that he swore to give to our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as we are this day. And it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to do all this commandment before the Lord our God, as he has commanded us. So far the reading of God's holy word. We now join in singing together from Psalm 25. Psalm 25, the stanzas 4, 5, and 6. You will find in the book of Psalms, Psalm 78, the first eight verses of the psalm. Psalm 78, a mascal of Asaph. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generations the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments, and that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. Beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, did you ever notice there is something very much the same about fans? I mean the kind that hoot and holler at the arena or the ballpark or the gymnasium. The dyed-in-the-wall fans, irrespective of the sport you care to focus on, the dyed-in-the-wall fans show one characteristic that is common to them all. They know their sport. Oh, yes, they know who is who. And they know why and when and where that particular player became a who to be known and to be remembered. Oh yes, they know all kinds of statistics of the most trivial sort. They know who did the most or the best in a particular situation. And yes, they know their heroes and just what it was that made that player the hero they hold him to be. And dates. 
Oh, yes, they know all kinds of dates, right? And it's all so very important. The media knows this. The daily sportscast on the radio and on the TV, on the iPods and the iPads, keep tabs of umpteen dozens of bits of information, which the sports fan watches and absorbs and commits to memory and never tires of hearing or repeating. And the sports fans keep challenging each other. Did you know? Do you remember? Who did, did this or that? How often? How many? How much? It starts already with the young kids. And kids have a way of making you look silly if you're not in the know. So you've got to know, or else, else you have no place. You don't really belong. You can't speak in the company of the sports fans. I think most people today understand that phenomena. And I think most people today would agree. If you're going to be a fan, well, then you've got to know your sport. And that means that you've got to know all kinds of things about that sport. Its players, past and present, its achievements, and its achievers. And above all, you must stay up to date, which means nothing less, nothing short of daily attention, daily devotion to the sport. Well, let me assure you, that is not a modern phenomenon or a modern invention. It's as old as the hills. The psalmist already knew about it. You see, the psalmist of Psalm 78 wants to glory. Yes, he wants to glory in the Lord. You could say that the Lord is his hero. So he holds before the people the mighty deeds, the great accomplishments of the Lord. I'd like to listen with you to that, as the psalmist has recorded it in the opening verses of Psalm 78. The theme of this first part of the psalm can be put this way. Make known, tell the glorious deeds of the Lord. Asaph, the writer of this psalm, introduces himself as a teacher of wisdom. And Asaph knows, as you do also, Asaph knows that the root of wisdom lies in knowing the Lord. But 
When? When do you really know the Lord? And how do you come to know who the Lord is? Why, of course, by listening. By listening to what it is the Lord says and by paying attention to what it is the Lord does. What he did in the past and what he will do in the future. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. So Asaph alerts his audience, the covenant people of the Lord. It's like a Howard Cosell of some years ago now, calling the faithful sports fans to attention. As some of you may remember, before the major sports events, Cassell would rehearse for his audience the exploits and the achievements of the heroes of that sport. You see, what the sportscaster is for the sport and the sports fan, that Asaph was for the Lord and his people. So if it will help you, you may think of Asaph as of a sportscaster. But remember with that, the point of comparison stops. Well, Asaph wants to tell the people about the works of the Lord in order that they may know the Lord. I will open my mouth in a parable, he says. I will utter dark sayings from of old, or better, I will utter hidden things, things from of old. Did you hear? Asaph is going to say what everybody really ought to know already. After all, he's going to tell things that we have heard and known, things that our fathers have told us. You can't miss it. Asaph is not going to come with any new revelation. And no mysteries of the past are going to be resolved here by the psalmist. Oh yes, the second part of verse 2 is sometimes understood that way. But verse 3 clearly says that that is not the case. Clearly, Asaph intends to go over the old material. He's going to rehearse what had been said many times before. But why? Why is Asaph going to do that? I mean, if he's not going to say anything new, then why repeat the old? Why? Well, because much of the old had become hidden. That is, the people no longer remembered. They may even have said, why bother with all of that history stuff? Tell us what we need to know for today, people say. But don't bother us with the past. Tell us who the Lord is for us today, and you can have the past. Does that at all sound familiar? Well, such was the thinking 
the attitude that had captivated the people in Asaph's day. They no longer knew the mighty acts of the Lord, which he had done for them in days of old. And the wonders of the Lord, his miraculous acts unto their deliverance, they had simply forgotten. Can you imagine? Think again of the sports fan. Think of the countless bits of information that he must remember, or else, else he is a nobody. But Israel had forgotten the Lord's mighty deeds of the past and what they said. It was a complete mystery to them, an altogether hidden thing for them. Even though the fathers had talked about it, we have heard and known, says Asaph, our fathers have told us. But, how about it didn't interest the Israelites of Asaph's day one bit. And they didn't realize that with that lack of interest, they had thrown away the key to knowledge, the key to understanding their own time. Oh yes, they were very concerned about their own present situation, the uncertainties and the insecurities of the day. Much as we are today, you can be sure. But, but the key to understanding, namely knowledge of the Lord's past actions, see, the key to understanding, they despised and therefore ignored. See, they're the need to tell our children to instruct them and to have them instructed in the fear of the Lord. Remember it well. The key to understanding our present time lies in knowing the Lord's deeds of the past. History is important. Learn it well in school, kids. Well, Asaph is going to do his best to change the situation in Israel. We, Asaph presents himself here as the spokesman for his own generation. We will not hide them, he says. What? Well, this, the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders he has done. Think of it, the deliverance from Egypt, the crossing of the Red Sea, the 40-year wilderness journey, the crossing of the Jordan, the fall of Jericho. We will not hide them, those deeds, the Lord's mighty acts and awesome wonders from their children, the children of the next generation. Oh no, but we will tell them to the coming generation.
And why? Why will he, why will they make the effort to tell the coming generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord done in the past? Why does Asaph pledge that they will talk to them about the Lord's might and the wonders which he wrought? Simple. The children, the children have a right to know. It is their birthright. After all, did not the Lord establish a covenant? And did he not say that the covenant was between him and his people throughout the generations? I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations, he had said. Uh, yes, throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And did he not say that it was the responsibility of the fathers and the mothers to teach their children? Was the responsibility not laid on the parents, as a matter of fact, upon the whole covenant community? That, by the way, is the reason why Asaph can be spokesman for all. Was not the responsibility laid upon the whole covenant community to teach the youth who the Lord, their covenant God, is? And, and why did the Lord want it known? His glorious deeds, his mighty acts and wonders. Well, how else would the children get to know him, to love him, to serve him, to stand in awe of him? to worship him, to extol him as the hero of their life. We've got to ask ourselves, how come we find it so hard to understand that? How come the world knows that so well? Turn on your TV. Watch any sport or so-called sport. Everybody will know who the top dog is of the sport on that team. His fans will never tire of hearing it over and over how great and how wonderful he really is. And you can be very sure he will be idolized. And the same holds for the other gods of this age that appeal to our youth. Parents, look in the bedroom of your children. See how their rooms are decorated. Listen 
to their music. Who do you think who has captivated their attention? How many of the youth, some barely into their teen years, have their own cell phones, their own screens to watch? Daily, daily they fill their heads, their hearts, with the glorious deeds, the might, and the wonders. Oh no, not of the Lord. Who can be bothered with that history of, of old? No, they fill their hearts with the glorious deeds, the exploits, and the rebellious actions of the God-defying heroes of this age. And then we, the fathers and the mothers, we, the community of believers, we excuse ourselves. We say things like, kids will be kids, you know. And you can't isolate your children from the world, you know. And if God doesn't work in their hearts, there's nothing we can do anyway. And in due time, the children will have to make their own choice. And all we can do is pray. <clears throat> and you know, there is an element of truth in each of those statements. But, uh, but none of them is the truth. All of them reflect what people say, but none of them faithfully reflects what God says. That is why that kind of thinking and speaking ultimately stands in the service of the lie, in the service of Satan. Think of it. What does God say? What does he require? How does God look upon you and upon your children? Listen. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel. That is to say, God told his people about himself. Talk about giving a testimony. The Lord God told his covenant people about himself. He told them about his glorious deeds, his work of creation, his work of his acts of deliverance from Egypt and countless enemies, his acts of love and tender mercy, his caring for his children in the most trying of circumstances, his calling out to them over and over again to turn from their evil ways lest they perish. The Lord had moreover given them his law. Oh no, he had not given them the law just to drive it home to them that they could not earn salvation by their works, as is erroneous being taught nowadays. 
Rather, he gave them the law so that they should, so that it should be the lamp for their feet and the light for their path. Well, now, what were they, the people of the covenant, to do with the Lord's testimony and with his law? How does Asaph instruct his readers by means of his masculine? What does he say? Oh, yes, they had to observe it, pay attention to it, and know it. And surely they had to do it. They had to walk in its way. But that wasn't all. That's not the only thing. Remember, the Lord our God is God of the covenant. He's the covenant establishing and the covenant keeping God. He never denies or forgets or forsakes his covenant. We forget that so easily. He never does. He, the covenant-keeping God, he sovereignly lays before us here our covenant responsibility to the generations that follow us. <coughs> Just listen. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children. Count them. That is, four generations. People who deny the covenant can't read or count. People who ignore the covenant and covenantal obligations do so at their own peril and at the peril of the generations are coming. Must the children, our children of the covenant, make a choice? Oh yes, to be sure. But that, that is precisely why the parents, the mothers and the fathers, must do their job. See, it is our job as parents to teach our children. And what must our children hear? Well, of course, who the Lord is. They must hear it over and over again, that he is their God, their covenant-keeping God, that he sealed it to them on their foreheads, that he loves them with an everlasting love, that he showed, I ask, that he proved his love to the countless generations before them, that he has done mighty works and wrought wonders that are utterly amazing, that he did and does all of that as their God for their salvation in Jesus Christ. And who, think of it, 
who hearing that, who seeing that faith and that assurance coming to life in the lives of their parents, who knowing that this God is their God and Father for Jesus' sake, who would choose against this God? The text is clear. The fathers, the parents, the community of believers, those who have heard it from the foregoing generation, they must tell their children so that the next generation, the grandchildren, may know who the Lord is. You ask why? So that they should set their hope In God. And not forget the works of God. But keep his commandments. I'll let no one here miss it. This is the word that has to penetrate our hearts. This is what the Lord says. Here lies our task. Our responsibility. Remembered well, if we do not know the past, if we have no ear for and no understanding of God's dealings, of his glorious deeds, of his faithfulness, of his mercy and compassion, of his calls to repentance, of his warnings of judgment, then how? How can we fulfill our calling? See, then we are like those who do not really belong, who can't speak, who have nothing to say. And remember, your children understand that very well. Just think back of the introduction. This song of Asaph, I said, is a maskil or a mashel. That means that it is something like a parable. And parables, as you know, parables can only be understood by those who belong. By those who have committed their life to their covenant partner. All others... Though born of the covenant, all others are seen by God as a stubborn and a rebellious generation. A generation whose heart is not steadfast, whose spirit is not faithful to him, to God. Steadfastness and faithfulness. Those you understand are covenant words. That is, they are words that function in, that describe covenantal relationships. They characterize not only the Lord our God, but they characterize what must be true of us also. What is so terribly frightening today is that many people Church people seem not to understand that. 
we know all our heroes in sports, in movies, in songs. We keep close daily tab on their achievements and standings. But, but who can tell the mighty deeds of the Lord as they are recorded for us for our instruction and comfort and encouragement in the 66 books of the Bible? I don't know how it is here, but I can tell you that the elders of many a church find that in many a home virtually no Christian literature is read. No time, too tired, the TV is so much easier. And who needs a book or a magazine when an iPod is all you need to stay in touch. Young people, young adults, young couples, oh yes, they have time for many things. But the Bible is hardly read. And for Bible study, there's no time. Ask any number of people, young or old, about the heroes of our day, and they will tell you the latest information. But ask about the scriptures, the confessions, the history of the church, the mission work of the church, the power of God unto the salvation of countless millions today. The mighty acts of the Lord displayed throughout the world, both unto judgment and unto blessing. And people do not know. They have not seen. They do not understand. But the Lord speaks to us through his servant Asaph today. And he means to admonish us. Oh, yes, he pleads with us, for he is a God of mercy and compassion. He will forgive also our failures of the past. He has covenanted his love to us and to our children. And he says to us, teach those children also those twins, because they are mine. Tell them who I am. Tell them about my glorious deeds, that they may set their hope in me, that I may be their hero. There's despair all around. I ask, and the heroes of our age, they are vanity. Nothing more and nothing other. Fathers, mothers, community of believers, let us arise to our calling. Tell the glorious deeds of the Lord. Then your children will arise 
and call you blessed, then our God will be praised. And we, we will know the joy of life today and forever. Praise the Lord. Amen.